You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Powers, your host, and I am in Vancouver checking out the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, uh, meeting new companies, attending seminars and learning, as well as catching up with some friends and uh, people that can offer good commentary on the sector. One of those is David Earthley of the JuniorMinerJunkie.com. But first, I'd like to thank Lumina Gold for sponsoring this show. You can find more information about them at Lumina gold.com ticker in toronto is lum and on the otc in new york it's lmgdf they have a 17 million ounce gold deposit in ecuador and i attended the opening seminar at this conference and ross Beatty said it is his intention to make sure that there is a buyer for this uh, project this year and he's going to be involved seeking out uh, some major miners to buy this project that's what ross Beatty said and you can find more about them at luminagold.com well dave thanks for joining me again and you've been been walking the floor now it's about a day and a half of a two-day conference that you've experienced so tell us about the sentiment and the vibe that you feel at this conference uh, hey Bill thanks again for having me uh, yeah it's uh, the vibe was really good on Sunday uh, you know that's retail day Sunday is usually retail day and uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, retail uh, investors on the floor and it's kind of buzzing pretty well um, so it, it, was, it was good to see that today it's a little more laid, laid back it's uh, Monday's usually the industry industry day I haven't really had a chance to walk around much because uh, my job here is to catch up with all the companies that I own and that I cover for my newsletter and from for my subscribers so um, but it's it's it, it's it, it's a good buzz so far do you think the buzz is as good as like 2011 when silver and gold were roaring no <laughs> not quite there yet not quite there yet. Uh, I don't think we, we, we really see the general public come into this sector yet. I mean, you still got risk on in the, in the markets and U.S. equities continue to make these all-time highs. So uh, I don't think we got the general uh, investor coming in. And if they do come in, they're, gonna, they're buying GDX and they're buying the GDXJ. So they really haven't come into the juniors yet. As you assess the sentiment at this conference, as well as the fundamentals of what's going on, and you're studying charts and looking at the gold price and what the gold miners are doing, uh, in the last 20 years since you've been doing this, is there a certain year that you could point to that this reminds you the most of? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, I think maybe um, 2005. That's that's a year, because that that's a year that was very special to me. It was the year that... Uh, I sold the house that I was doing uh, all the work on to restore in a Pasadena and, and I made the decision to go ahead and sell that house in 2005 and put it all into juniors and uh, I got the I got the feeling back then of the feeling I feel now that uh, we're very close to have the general uh, investor uh, come into this sector. With your portfolio, uh, what's your allocation with positioning right now and cash on hand to p take advantage of possible opportunities? Oh, I got about uh, 6%, 7% cash right now. I built up a little bit. And um, it's funny because it's still a tale of two markets, Bill. It's, uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing capital markets uh, giving up, uh, you know, some financings to, to, the, to the really good projects with the really good teams. And you're still seeing uh, a lot of the smaller juniors struggle to find financing. So um, there are still a lot of great opportunities, even though the sector looks a little frothy right now. 
I attended a seminar on Focus on Gold in Idaho this morning, and uh, the CEO, Cal, of Liberty Gold was talking about how fund managers, they either want a large allocation or they're not going to do it at all. They're not going to nibble in the market. Uh, is there any commentary you could provide on that? Yeah, Cal's right. Uh, I've known Cal for a few years, and he's a, he's, he's a very uh, intelligent businessman and, 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 a, and a very good CEO there over at uh, Liberty Gold. I really like uh, Liberty Gold's projects. Um, but yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. I mean, look at Silvercrest. Um, they raised, I think it was ninety something million dollars, and they they even left some on the table. So I, all the uh, the the, uh, the management teams that I talked to that have made big raises, they left some money on the table. They they could they could have raised more and diluted more, but they said no. We, we this is enough. We don't want to dilute our shareholders too much. This will get us through what we need to get through this year, and we'll take a look and see what happens with with what we do with this money. So we had some geopolitical events recently. Uh, the United States assassinated one of the top generals in the Iranian army. Gold shot up, but the miners didn't follow. So what's the significance here? Yeah, you know, um, you never like to see the gold price make a move like that uh, on geopolitical reasons that are that are short term. And uh, the miners very rarely uh, take part in a move like that. And just like this time they didn't and right now what you're seeing is you're seeing the the gold price did come back down and test about 1530 after after basically Iran said this is this is it we've we've did our tit for tat and we're done uh, so all that uh, that uh, geopolitical move in the gold price most of it came off and the gold price went right back up but the but the miners are still correcting so that is kind of a red flag right now um, you've got uh, a spec position in the commitment of traders report that an all-time high uh, it's getting a little frothy in, in the bullish in the bullish sentiment indicators. So uh, I'd be a little cautious in in maybe thinking about buying something that's that, that that's overbought. But there, like I said, there's still a lot of opportunities out there um, that are uh, at, at good buy points. Even though even though we've we, we've had a, a a big move in the sector rate recently. You've mentioned Taranga Gold in uh, several interviews as a gold producer. You like growth-oriented growth producer. Any other growth-oriented growth uh, gold producers you'd be willing to share? Sure. There, there's uh, there's another one, uh, West Dome Gold, which uh, my shareholders and, and my uh, my uh, subscribers and myself have done quite well in. That stock got very frothy and very uh, extended and uh, overbought in the long term. And uh, Canaccord Genuity came out with a report basically saying, "Look, uh, we're putting this stock on hold based on valuation." And it was, it was a good, it was a good opportunity for a lot of the traders to take uh, profits, and that's that's what they've done. And I think that might happen with Taranga here pretty soon because it's very extreme overbought in the long term as well. So I, I do like Taranga, but I would be cautious here if I was if if I wanted to buy more. Your portfolio is weighted with a lot of riskier stocks, and you let everybody know that. The royalty companies are not as risky. Are any of them attractive to you right now? Uh, no, because uh, you've, you've had a lot of these royalty plays have had really strong moves. Uh, most of the share prices are overbought. So um, if I were to come into this sector now, I would probably uh, avoid royalty plays right now and a lot of these miners that are uh, long-term overbought. Would you prefer an ETF, like a major ETF, over a royalty company if you had to choose? Uh, no, I no. Uh, I, I, I strongly suggest building your own ETF if, if you really want to be serious about investing in this sector, uh, especially in the juniors, since there really isn't a, a reliable junior ETF indicator out there. Since the GDXJ d doesn't really have any juniors in it, it's basically mid-tiers and sprinkled with a few majors. So uh, I strongly suggest building your own junior portfolio. And if, if you can't do it on your own, you can always uh, get some help from a newsletter writer like myself or many others out there that are, that are uh, very good teachers. 
when we're here at these conferences, we can kind of assess the buzz around certain companies. We can see that online and then also see if that buzz actually plays out at the conference. Can you talk about how you observe what are the hot companies, whether there's fundamental value or not when you're at conferences like this? Oh, sure. You know, um, I, I always try to uh, keep tabs on the ones that are that, that are hot at the moment and why they've moved up. If uh, if the pump in their in their stock is, is genuine, if they really have the goods and deserve that market cap. Um, once I see a, a stock that I like, if it's if it's made a strong move and I missed that move, I'll keep tabs on that stock and, and, and wait for the wait for the for, for the pump if that's the reason why it went up so much. Wait for that to come off and then take a position. And then when you see the pump, if it's like pre-drilling, do you normally scalp your profits at that point and then maybe enter back in, or how do you play that? Ah, well, you know. Um, that's that's a tough question. Um, I just had that recently happen to me, where uh, a company called GFG Resources was 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 pumped before uh, some some highly anticipated drill results came out, and uh, I I did uh, I did uh, consider taking some some profit or or selling some of that, but uh, I believed in the project and and I believed the uh, the, the results would be good. And uh, so I, I went ahead and, and made the gamble and waited. And the, the gamble didn't pay off. It ended up uh, being uh, basically uh, uh, some disappointing drill results. Whenever you have disappointing drill results and they're, 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 they're pumped up beforehand, the fall is pretty hard. And the fall was pretty hard in this one. And uh, I ended up selling. I, did, I didn't lose too much, but uh, I did uh, lose about 8% on the, on the trade because I, I got in early. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the name of this game. It, sometimes it happens. You know, you, you roll the dice and, and you take your chances. And, and uh, sometimes it works out and some, sometimes it doesn't. If they all worked out, it wouldn't be very much fun. Yesterday, you shared with me in a conversation about Eric Sprott. Obviously, Eric Sprott has been funding a large portion of the development and exploration in this junior mining industry this year. It's a great encouragement, not only to the companies that receive his checks, but also to those speculators on the side. Uh, but for those of us that aren't aware of what happened in the prior cycle when Eric put a lot of money in and then had a sell, can you kind of talk about the dynamics of him putting in money and taking out in the last cycle versus how he's playing at this time? Oh, sure. Yeah. The last cycle, he did it through his fund. He took a little piece of, it seemed like hundreds of juniors. It seemed like every junior that that I would research, I would see Eric Sprott had a position, but he took uh, positions, those positions through his fund. So when the bear market came along, he was forced to divest all, all of, almost all of those positions because he was having redemptions in the fund. Well, this time around, he's done it privately. So if there's uh, if there's a harsh correction in in the sector, he won't be forced to divest this time. So, actually, what Eric Sprott gaveth during the last bull market, he tooketh away in the bear market and made the bear market worse. He he made the bull market better than he made the bear market worse, unbeknownst to him. So he basically learned a valuable lesson, and uh, he's he's now done it through his through privately as opposed to through his fund. So I commend him on that. Uh, Eric's a great guy. I, I've met him. I've spoke with him. He's very down to earth, and, and uh, he's been a huge benefit to this sector. Eric has been uh, public in the last couple months about the reinstatement of the uptick rule where you can't short a junior miner. Uh, what's your position on that? A junior miner unless it's uptrending, I should say. Oh, I don't think you should be able to short anything uh, unless it's, it's, it's upticking. I, I think the uptick rule should be applied to everything. 
it would it would be so much better. But uh, you know, I don't make the rules. I, I just have to play by them. So um, it's just a, an, another just a, another uh, landmine uh, that, that we have to avoid in the sector. Uh, commodities. You focus mostly on gold. What about uranium, zinc, lead, iron ore? Anything you're bullish on that you could share? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, some of these base metal plays are really starting to look attractive. You know, the, the copper price is I think it's back up to like 284 this morning and it's getting to that magic $3 level which I feel it needs to have a base and but a lot of these companies really aren't responding um, so uh, but I think there's there's a few there's a few of them that uh, really have good projects and they've came off a lot uh, they're starting to look attractive final thoughts as we conclude uh, for the listeners that have listened to this conversation what advice would you give oh I, I the best advice I can give you is to just do as much due diligence as, as you possibly can and be firmly aware that this is a tale of two markets and uh, there is opportunity out there you just have to search for it and uh, be patient let it come to you don't chase anything never chase a junior you know uh, I live by the rule uh, you buy fishing lines and sell rhino, and sell rhino horns. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very high-risk business, and as long as you manage your risk, you'll do very well. And in your newsletter, you give buy and sell, sell recommendations, and I've been a subscriber, and you've never recommend selling your house like you did, right? <laughs> no, never. I would never recommend anybody do that. <laughs> That's for sure. So on that trade, don't follow my footsteps. <laughs> Absolutely. Please don't. <laughs> David's website is juniorminerjunkie.com. Thanks for listening. This is Bill Powers from Vancouver at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly the mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.